In this episode, we're chatting with conscious parenting expert Catherine Winterselery from Conscious Parenting Revolution about nonviolent communication, habitual parenting responses, and how many of us haven't learned how to question what comes out of our mouths in response to our children's behaviour. We also discuss how labelling children can harm them, childism, and why it's important to break our negative views of children. Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education, and stepping into the wilderness, however that looks, with your family. Each week, we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions. We'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are taking the road less travelled. We're your hosts, Vicky and Nikki from Wildlings Forest School. Pop in your headphones, settle in, and join us on this next adventure. Before we start, we'd love to invite you to share your thoughts on this episode with us on social media. If you screenshot the artwork and tag us on Instagram, we'll share your feedback on our stories and hopefully together we can help more parents learn about how to respectfully guide their children through these tough times that we all have. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Raising Wildlings podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Farrell. Now, you'd think it would come more naturally, wouldn't you, this work of being a parent? After all, the human race has been raising its young for millennia. Surely it should be second nature by now, but you and I know that it isn't. Good parenting doesn't always come naturally, but we as parents can always become more conscious of our children and more practiced in ways to engage them and strengthen our relationships with them. So today we're going to hear from Catherine Winterselery about how we can do this. Now, Catherine is the CEO and founder of the Conscious Parenting Revolution and creator of the Guidance Approach to Parenting, along with two of her colleagues. It's a program that applies conflict resolution skills to communicating more effectively with children and adults, because let's be honest, what works when we communicate with children also works with adults. Through her workshops, her books and her three TEDx talks, she has taught thousands of parents, educators and social workers to minimise misunderstandings and meltdowns and communicate with more collaboration, cooperation and consideration. I was having so much fun chatting to Catherine that I didn't realise that we hadn't actually recorded a formal intro. So today we're just going to jump right in and just to give you a bit of context, I just finished asking Catherine what she was currently working on and why. So, you know, I run a parenting course that I designed actually with Dr. Louise Porter. Well, she and I co-wrote the program that I've been running. Mm. So she and I worked together over a year to to write this guidance approach to parenting, which is very much based on children or people too, the book that she wrote. And her negative view of children informs so much of parents' perspectives and approaches toward discipline. Mm. Yeah. And so when you have a filter that you don't know you have, you don't even know the reasons why you're approaching the problems the way you do. Mm. And it's really the awareness that, I have the filter and that it's the filter that's determining how I respond to behavioral disruptions, Mm. that that filter, now that I know that I have it, I can actually wonder about whether I believe the things that I, I am responding to. Mm. And do I want to continue to treat these behaviors 
with the responses that I've had? Or do I want to step back and sort of feel into whether or not I even believe that about children? Mm, Gosh. Because I had to have believed it in order to respond the way I did. Mm. But I didn't really think it through. It's habitual behaviors, not just children's, but our own, our own habitual responses Mm. that are not really well informed. They're just based on like that groove that, that, you know, in a highway, right? You get get a groove going and you just stay in that robotic response. Mm. And very rarely do we pop ourselves out of it and, and reflect on whether or not this is the way I want to be. Am I being the way I want to be in relationship to conflict, in relationship to discipline, in relationship to, you know, what I want to call parenting Mm -hmm. in general? Like, how do we want to parent? Mm -hmm. How do we want to show up for our children? And those messages come from everywhere. We're bombarded with those negative messages about children. We really are. Mm. We really are. Yeah. The negative view of children is so pervasive that we don't even realize it. And, you know, Louise is, is so beautiful in her book, Children Are People Too, and her work, because what she points out is that If we were to substitute a race for the things that we say about children being manipulative and out to get you, and um, if you don't come down hard on them, they're just going to keep doing it. All of these Mm. things, if you were to say that about a race, Mm. like Greeks or Aborigines or people of color or anything, Mm. it would be blatantly racism. We would see it for what it was. so powerful. But we don't see it as ageism. No, we don't. Until we do the comparison and then we realize, oh my goodness gracious, I have a prejudice against children. Mm. I don't see them as simply out of control because they are young and they don't have the skills to regulate their emotions and they're not out to get me. They're just simply falling apart. Bless them. How can I hold them? How can I be with them? And doesn't that how can I support instantly reframe how you connect with them and and manage what they're going through? Totally. Mm. But you have to see them as separate. You have to see them as sovereign beings. Mm. You have to see that they can individuate without thinking that individuation is betrayal. Mm. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. That's really powerful. Yeah. Well, it's my experience personally and professionally. And and that's the power of our belief systems. Mm. Until we shake them out, until we take them and and decide this is how I, I want to be, they make the decisions for us. Yeah, they really do. And like you said, I think going back, there's so many, and we do it all the time. Every parent does it. You can hear your own, your own parents coming out of your mouth, but we don't question that often. We might cringe at it, but do we question it and actually do anything about it? Yeah, mm. yeah. It usually takes the loss of a of a friend or the loss of a child, meaning not necessarily a a death in the family, Mm. but they fire you (laughs) and you, you don't have the influence and your power, they, they have become emancipated Mm -hmm. at some level. They will no longer allow you to be the way you've been with them Mm -hmm. any longer. And there's nothing you can do about it. I see this quite often as teachers, particularly in high school age. But I have to say it can happen very early on in childhood as well. Children are switched on. They know when they're being manipulated. They know when they're being taken advantage of. So, yeah, kudos to them for not putting up with it and putting up boundaries, I think. 
I agree. And, you know, of course, because there's a huge power differential mm-hmm. between um, parents and children, parents can use the power differential mm-hmm. to crush the soul out of their children, mm-hmm. to hold them to the fire until they bow mm-hmm. to their parents. You know, Alice Miller, who's one of my great oh, heroes. She's amazing. And, you know, her work has been so powerful. She spoke to that experience of a child where so-called socialization has mm-hmm. been a cover for child abuse. Ooh, powerful again. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Honestly, I, I look at the schooling system and... Our audience will know my thoughts on it. I'm a high school teacher, but I've left the system since. But it is because of that. The teenagers don't have sovereignty. They don't, they have to put their hand up to go to the bathroom. And, and you know, that might not seem like abuse, but it is control and it is manipulation. And there's a power injustice there. And frankly, it, it's not fair. One of my TED Talks is the rebellion is here. Mm-hmm. We created it. We created it. We can also solve it, but we have to recognize, you know, Thomas Gordon talks about retaliation, rebellion, and resistance, the three R's. And the three R's are unequivocally an outcome of our controlling form of discipline. We cannot evade the reality of this. And so when you know Mm -hmm. that we generate the three R's, when we use power and control as our modality to create shifts in behavior, you could call it to create the order that we demand in the way we want it. I think a lot of our parents, they're aware of what conscious parenting is, but there'll be quite a chunk of our audience that don't actually know Mm. what conscious parenting is. They certainly won't know what nonviolent communication is. So if you just want to run us through what your area of expertise is and a few definitions of, say, conscious parenting and nonviolent communication. When we look at um, conscious parenting, and you know, I'm the founder of the Conscious Parenting Revolution, and it really started for me when I became a parent, and a couple of years mm-hmm. into it, looking at my my young child, thinking, "I'm a deer in headlights. I know that there's a response that I'm supposed to have to this because all I had to draw on was my past." And that's Mm. not what I wanted to draw on. I wanted to draw on something that Mm -hmm. was more enlightened than my past. And so for that, I needed a class. So I started 25 years ago taking um, parenting courses in order to have a deeper understanding of effective versus ineffective conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. I knew from my own upbringing, Mm. I suffered I suffered from the approach that my family of origin had Mm -hmm. toward problem solving. And I didn't want to perpetuate that. So that's where I guess you could say the beginnings, Mm -hmm. the uh, conscious, you know, parenting revolution began with my own becoming conscious of the fact that there were choices about how to address Mm -hmm. problem, you know, problem behaviors in children other than the authoritarian rewards and punishment approach that I'd been raised with. But I, I had no idea. And still it's probably the most common approach. You know, looking around outside of my glorious little bubble, <laughs> it is it's, a very, is the most very common, common approach. approach still. Trainings, and when I do them, I, I stop and say, mm. all right, we're going to just do like a definition here of the controlling form of discipline, which uses rewards and punishments. 
or a guidance approach to discipline, which teaches consideration. And it does not use rewards and punishments to do it. And so show of hands and 90% of the room or more will raise their hand to, yeah, of course, we're using rewards and punishments. What else are we going to do? And so most people don't have the um, the skill level to do anything but that mm. because that's all that's ever been modeled for any of us. And we fall back into that, like we were saying earlier, the habit yeah. is to draw on the past and how things were dealt with in our family of origin is it obviously it's going to, mm-hmm. it's going to be what we go to. It's the standard that we have. It's the only standard we have. It's we get that we get prenatal courses here for free through our government. But as soon as we've um, had the baby, it's just, I think actually mm-hmm. I take that back. There is another six week mums um, mm. and bubs connection course. But after that, you're, mm. we're left on our own. And like you said, if the only thing we have to revert to is the past, we're all in for a bit of strife. You know, we have to, we have to skill up the thing that we don't have is a manual, right? And that's the thing is because we don't have a manual, we really Mm. don't know what we're doing. And we use like the rewards and punishments, like a remote control. No. And we just think, okay, if I, if I do this reward or this punishment, (laughs) I'm going to change the channel. I'm going to get this person to change their behavior and switch to the one I want. And, um, the, the, the problem with the plan is that our children Mm. are not appliances. They're not TV sets and we cannot get them to change their behavior on the basis of the button that we push. (laughs) But this is the idea behind rewards and punishments is that, you know, we can externalize Mm. changes in behaviors based on what we do to people. And it it doesn't work, but we do activate the three R's Mm. that we spoke about, retaliation, rebellion, and resistance, and then spend, Louise actually, Porter found in her research that once we've activated the three R's, we spend 30, 40, 50, 60, 75% of our time managing the three R's. Oh, I believe it. I absolutely believe it. Yeah. And one of the things that boggles my mind is that some people don't want to invest in the time or the money of a parenting course. Mm -hmm. And I think, but- the biggest bane of your existence mm-hmm. are the three R's, then they come up, like you said, if it's exactly. 70% of the day. So, I mean, I talk about that a lot because, you know, I run a course um, that is, I think, a pretty low-level investment when you look at the cost of money that people spend trying to repair relationships. So, you know, I have a lot of one-on-one clients mm, who therapy. spend a lot more time, money, mm. and energy trying to repair relationships. And by comparison, the, you know, the training that you can get to not have the damage in the relationship so that you can really have the foundation for healthy conflict resolution so that you can speak about what's okay and what's not okay in ways that Mm -hmm. don't get the other person so mad at you that you lose them in reaction to you so that there is no dialogue anymore. So it's so important that we have the skills to be able to talk about sensitive subjects and keep the person engaged in the conversation with us and to have, you know, yes. effective conversations, then that's a whole nother level, right? And and as you said, with the three hours, there's exactly. no point even beginning a conversation if you, you aren't able to regulate yourself. Absolutely. Because if you can't regulate yourself, you can't regulate, your child can't self-regulate. So... It's probably the, one of the things we see the most, I shouldn't say that, within our program, but perhaps with um, some of our excursions, we have schools and daycare centres come and the educators 
more so than parents, actually. You can see it escalate and escalate and escalate. And I just think there's no coming down from this. If, if you if you as that educator and not slowing down and you are not regulating, then this is only going to end in an explosion. But that leads us really nicely to what are some of the kinds of things that we as parents may do that affect our child's self-esteem? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we were talking about, you know, just even speaking around this idea of what is nonviolent communication. Mm. And so, you know, nonviolent communication is when we're talking in ways, communicating so that it supports children doing things or motivating from within themselves. So, you know, the whole idea with nonviolent communication is we want people to do things because they see how it enriches life, Mm. right? Which is very different than because I told you so. That's power when we have the ability to motivate people from within. So NVC or nonviolent communication is a language of and for life. Mm -hmm. It inspires compassion, right? Through these joyful relationships in all areas of life, through expressing feelings and needs. So it really is cultivating people's vocabulary Mm -hmm. um, as adults and as children to be able to express feelings, not your thoughts, which of course people get all confused about. Well, (laughs) I feel, I feel like you should have done this is not a feeling. No, no, that's, that's, uh, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit threatened. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So feelings and needs take us beyond, you know, those habitual automatic responses that we were talking about a minute ago, Mm. you know, where we just are in a rut using the same old, same old. This is actually about compassionate connection Mm -hmm. away from far, far away from judgments and criticism and blame. Mm. So, you know, this is, this is a new language of life. This moving past the judgment, the criticism and the blame. So we don't even realize, I don't think, because we have been bathed in it. Mm. The extent to which we are always blaming other people for how we behaved, mm-hmm. um, other people for how we feel, you know, that's very popular. You make me feel. Yes. Yes. And of course, it's not even true. It can't be possible that someone else is responsible for what you're feeling. No, but yet, right. even right now, I don't know how many people that are listening to this are like, well, hold on a minute. You know, when they did that, I did feel that. And this is a very basic sort of thing. Well, no, 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 no. Exactly. But that step is crucial. Mm, isn't it? So, yeah, it's absolutely crucial beginning to just really be present to the fact that, okay, I do have feelings mm-hmm. and this event catalyzed them. And so the mistake right, is that I blame the event and you rather yes. than recognizing that you're the catalyst, but not the cause. We have a saying that's been passed down from my parents, actually, which was don't fix the blame. Let's fix the problem together. And straight away, mm-hmm. it just flips that. And, and probably there probably needed to be a second step in there, which was let's acknowledge each other's feelings here. We're mm-hmm. working on that next generation pass. Mm-hmm. But it does. That blame, that blame story is so strong in our culture. It is. And it's everywhere. Um it's everywhere. Just being accountable, just standing in accountability for, yes, I, I have this experience and my behavior in response to this experience at some level, I have to acknowledge that um, you are not inside of me. Mm-hmm. I'm actually a chooser in this. Mm-hmm. Even my, my, what do you want to call it? 
my giving way to the habitual response is at some level choosing not to have a different one. Oh, yes. Yes. And I think that is really important. You know, the old saying, well, that's how it's always been done. That's a choice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, and it'll drive me right over, right over the bend. I don't know about you, but that's (laughs) one of the ones that, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. Or the I turned out fine. But did you? Yeah. Did you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I've had that happen in workshops where that will come up. Well, yeah, my parents hit me, but I'm fine. Mm. And somebody else in the room will say, and somebody else will say, well, you know, maybe that's true for you, but it did damage my relationships with my parents and we've never recovered. Mm. And are you fine if you accept that it's okay to abuse children? Exactly. Mm. Exactly. It's the only what unprotected, you know, community where it's Mm -hmm. called spanking or, you know, somehow it's an acceptable part. This is again, back to Alice Miller, Mm -hmm. prisoners of childhood Mm -hmm. and, you know, really recognizing that, um, there are so many things that are swept under the rug that if any other time in life they were to happen would be considered just abuse. Absolutely. Just yeah. They wouldn't label it anything else. If it was any, any other race, gender or age, it would be called nothing else. You know, in, in, in NVC, um, Marshall Rosenberg wrote a book called um, The Language of Life, Nonviolent Communication, The Language of Life. And if you haven't read the book, Mahatma Gandhi's grandson, actually wrote the foreword in the book. And he spent a summer in India with his famous grandfather. Mm -hmm. And he became aware of all of the insidious ways that passive violence is fueled by Mm -hmm. physical violence. The passive violence is rewards and punishments Mm -hmm. and judgment and shame and guilt and negative self-talk. All of it in the context of NVC is a form of violence. There are attempts Mm -hmm. to manipulate individuals and groups of people. Mm -hmm. to make people do as they're told, Mm. right? So it's not just the physical acts. No, It's also all of these emotionally violent ways that are equally as painful as physical violence. Yeah, you can do just as much, if not more damage with that kind of behavior. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And Marshall used to say, you know, it's not just, are we getting the shifts in behavior, but are we getting the shifts in behavior for the reasons that we want? Mm. Because if you think it's just about getting the change, you can get the changes using rewards and punishment. Yeah. But you get it because people are terrified of you. Yeah. And, (laughs) you know, and and it's really under duress. You're not getting it because they're choosing it. They're choosing it simply because they don't feel like they have any choice. And with Mm -hmm. the power differential, they're making an intelligent decision for Mm -hmm. safety. Oh, we see it all the time down at Forest Kindy. It's instead of, you know, don't run, which we would never say. We don't use the word don't. Walk, yeah. Walk, please, which we yeah. would never do in the forest anyway. It's like, oh, I can see you holding a stick and you're very close to your friend. Would yeah. you mind placing your yeah. thumb over that so you don't hurt your friend? Oh, yeah. not a problem at all. Not a problem yeah. at all. But if we flip that and just say, don't run, why, you know, children are like, why not? Why not? Yeah, good luck with that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a child. I'm meant to run. I'm born to run. Let me run. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean, the language that we use, you know, it's interesting because on the one hand, you know, NVC and Marshall Rosenberg would say, never listen to the words people say. Ooh. 
And I thought that was so powerful because, you know, people can say some pretty horrible things. Mm. And if we just listen and connect at the level of the words, we can go into all kinds of responses to the words. Mm -hmm. And he said, if you don't listen to the words people say and do a different step, go to what is the underlying unmet need? Mm. What's deeper than the words they're using? Because if we go back to the analogy of when people are drowning, they don't do it politely. (laughs) right? So, you know, they're drowning in emotion. They're not doing it politely. It's the so-called tragic expression of their unmet needs. Now I can go on and on about how tragically they're expressing their unmet needs and how inappropriate it is, or I can Mm -hmm. see it as the tragic expression of unmet needs and they can't do any better because they're drowning. And when everybody drowns, it's pretty impolite. So rather than focus on that, I'm going to put that aside and not coach for good drowning behaviors. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh, if I had have heard that, when I first entered teaching, my goodness, wouldn't that have changed my classroom behavior tactics? Because they were tactics back then. That's we were reward and punishment when I first started. (laughs) I cringe, I cringe at some of the things that I did in the classroom. I really do. Do better, you know, do what you know, and then do better. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's right. And I do think actually um, that the ability to do that and have self-compassion and to be able to just, you know, be with the pain that arises from having done the best you could at the time with the skills that you had and the perception and the level of, you know, knowledge Mm. and that there was never any ill intent. No. Right. No. No, yeah, there was really there was, was control, not, need for control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like you said, uh, the the yeah. intent. But what did you say? The saying about hell: the roads are paved with good intentions. The roads yeah, the road to hell is intentions. paved with good intentions. Absolutely. Yeah, my good yeah. intentions was a nice, quiet classroom for good academic results. Yeah. Whether that resulted in happy, holistically fulfilled teenagers, I'm not so right. sure. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I mean, the the way that we go down this road toward developing um, compassionate communication and seeing beyond the words people use and then becoming aware of the words that we use, you know, the, the things that we can say, you know, you're selfish or bad or naughty or stupid or rude or inconsiderate or lazy. I mean, all of those labels are a form of violence. Mm, absolutely. And if you open you know, your mind to seeing violence beyond just physical violence, but that this is also a type of violence, mm. then we can recognize that using labels, anything that implies wrongness mm-hmm. is a violent act. It's trying to get people to do things out of guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's a form of violence. And this is where we're probably at with our parenting is, you know, we're beyond the spanking, we're beyond the the blame and and mostly shame, but the, I still find myself and my husband as well, we both, there's still labels and we're trying very hard, but it's diff- like you said, it's really difficult. It's hard mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. It's good yeah, work. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's good work. And I know that it can be frustrating because it's like, how come I can't seem to break the habit? Mm. And, and it seems so know, benign sometimes too, you know, oh, he's a bit messy. You know, mm-hmm. it seems so benign, but that's a label. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that robot part of us that has been doing it this way and, and it's 
so entrenched. Mm. It it will. It's like have you ever gotten in the car? And, you know, you're going to the office or you're going to the school or whatever. And, um, and you don't have to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, it's scary just, sometimes, isn't it? It's when you, just you so deeply entrenched. Yeah. You just, you can get in and you can be thinking about 10 million other things, but you show up mm-hmm. at the school because you have a muscle memory mm. and you know how to get there and you don't have to really think about it. And mm-hmm. that is actually the same dynamic that's going on when it comes to just our natural responses. The natural responses are the ones that are so ingrained and so entrenched. They feel like it's just the way it is mm. that we don't recognize that. No, it's really just like when you get in the car and in, instead that morning, you need to actually, oh, you'd forgotten you were going to go by and pick someone up. Mm. But before you know it, you're at the school going, oh my God, I forgot to get off the highway and go get so-and-so. And you have to think about it. You have to truly stop yourself. And that's the transition that's happening when people want to become more conscious parents. Yeah. And honestly, it's been reading books and doing courses myself that I I wouldn't have picked those up. I wouldn't have even Mm -hmm. picked up that I was labeling in what Mm -hmm. I thought at the time were benign ways. But, you you know, you call a child clumsy even jokingly a few times mm-hmm. and, and that's the negative self-talk and that's what's affecting mm-hmm. their self-esteem, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, when we talk about self-esteem, it really is this idea that we're constantly um, setting it up through praise. Mm. You know, we're using rewards and punishments and praise as part of the game mm. and we use our praise like a reward mm. and in terms of just the behavioralist controlling form of discipline approach, the idea is that if you use the rewards and the praise, you're going to get more of the behaviors that you want. Mm-hmm. And if you use the punishments, you're going to get less of the behaviors that you don't want. It'd be nice if it was as easy as that. <laughs> Wouldn't it? Right. So we're back to the remote control and the television set. So the thing that we don't realize is that when we're using praise, you know, if you want to lower someone's self-esteem, praise them. Yeah. Well, children are so astute. They see right through it. They see right through it. You know, mm-hmm. that manipulation, it's really a sense of, and so you're proud of me now, mommy. And if I don't get the grade, then what? Mm-hmm. Am I no longer someone you're proud of? Ugh. And so then you risk actually disincentivizing people not to take the risk because maybe I can't do it. And then if I can't do it, mom or dad isn't going to be proud of me. So I better not do it at all. I'm going to avoid. Mm -hmm. So our audience has been really, (laughs) really great at giving us feedback on, that's great. Can you give me one or two suggestions on what I could say instead? Yeah, acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. And there's, it's so beautiful because the lens is just a little bit out of focus. Mm Mm-hmm. And with acknowledgement, it's just, you kind of just tweak a little tiny bit and you realize, oh, wow, the nuance is so different. It's not Mm -hmm. that different from what I was doing before, but it's highlighting and checking in and, you know, self-esteem isn't what other people think about me. No. So the the self part in self-esteem is reflecting back, you know, how do you feel about that? Mm -hmm. I think that needs to be said yeah, that needs to be said, you know, really strongly. I think we almost <laughs> need to repeat that because I think we do think parents get caught in this trap of 
if I praise them, they're going to feel good about themselves when really we're totally disempowering them. But like you said, exactly. it's that, that nuance of, of directing that to themselves. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. So it's not mm-hmm. about what I think about you. It, and it should never be about what I think about you. If we trust that, you know, everybody has within them this mm-hmm. little operating system, right? And the operating system internally is the one that is the one we want to heighten their own awareness and of. And to rely on a parent's praise, you know, we're, we're, we're fickle, we're tired, we're, we're drained, our brain mm-hmm. is in a thousand mm-hmm. other places. So it's a dangerous place mm-hmm. to be. It is mm-hmm. the most dangerous place to be the most dangerous place to be. And yet inadvertently parents have done this unwittingly. They've set it up so that this child is always looking outside of themselves mm. to see if they measure yeah. up. Everyone else in my grade or every, yeah, my sibling. There's a lot of sibling yes. rivalry that comes from praise. Absolutely. And compared yeah, well, your brother, right. would have he would have cleaned up after himself. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh my goodness. I don't know if you think that's a motivator or not. But yeah, I mean, intrinsic versus external motivation and all the things that we do to disrupt that sense of being motivated, a lot of it has to do with the you know emotional climate. I've had, over the years, I've had three concert oh, pianists man. take my course. Not one of them will touch wow. a piano, not one. And so this is the example of where some parents somewhere, you know, they won the battle yes. and they lost Oof. the war. Mm-hmm. And there's so much emotional hardship, anxiety, mm-hmm. pain around the environment that was created that it's spoiled mm-hmm. it. It's ruined it. Absolutely. And, you know, I have a client right now who has a, um, a battle going mm-hmm. on over piano with, um, I think about a seven or eight year old and, uh, and it's, it's great. I'm so glad that, you know, we're together in a course right now and that there's support around shifting Mm. the relationship to the piano Mm, or whatever the value is, um, in the family. And I don't think any of us are equipped to know how to have these conversations around the things that we think are really valuable. And we want them to think are valuable too, so much so that they'll take their time willingly to participate mm-hmm. in the activity and um, power over is never going to generate the relationship no. that you want them to have no. with no. it ever. You hear all those famous, you know, Andre Agassi and all of the athletes where they were forced, they have this love hate relationship with not just the sport or the, or the instrument, but like you said, the, the parent or whoever the caregiver is. In the situation. <sighs> so true. Mm. So true. And the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So you have these parents who have created absolute hell Mm, with all the best intentions. It's heartbreaking, you know, to have these relationships damaged and to have these, um, you know, beautiful human beings on on both sides of this conflict in mm. so much pain around And you it. can see the empathy on both sides. They both understand it. Like you said, just not quite totally. having the skills or tools to be able to work their way through it. Just backtracking there a little mm. bit, when we were talking about instead of praise, could you give a couple of examples of how we could change that language to help children see the work that they've done themselves rather than relying on mm. our own praise? Yeah, so, you know, when you, ke- you know, catch them doing it right 
and you can see that they're feeling really mm. good, you highlight it. And so you can say to them, hey, looks like you feel really mm. chuffed about that, right? And then you can see them beaming and you can say like, yeah, I agree. I, I would feel really chuffed about that too. Or you can just say things like, congratulations. I can see you put a lot of energy so, into that. Such a small shift in language, but so powerful. It's such a powerful shift around the, I mean, the key really is just, am I saying this from my heart and would it be the way that I would be with another, you know, adult? Like you wouldn't generally say to your friend, I'm so proud of you, but Mm. I guess people do say that. You would more than likely say, congratulations. You wouldn't say, good good boy or good girl. And you would celebrate. (laughs) You would never do that. You would never do the good boy, good Uh. girl thing. But you would say, um, you know, hey, I can see that yeah. you worked really hard on that. And, um, and you know, I just want to let you know that uh, I can imagine that you must be feeling so proud of yourself. And then they have a chance to say, I, I do. I feel so proud of myself. My kids would come home and they wouldn't run up to me and say, mommy, mm-hmm. are you proud of me? Um, I got, you know, a really good grade on this or, you know, my teacher gave me a gold star or something like that. They would say, I'm so oh, proud of myself and they would run in and that shift of them being mm. proud of themselves. Oh, that's just beautiful. What an image. <laughs> so beautiful, right? Ah, oh, it, it just warms the it heart does. to be able to give that yeah. to our children. And in, you know, it's all, we're all doing the best that we can, but I think it's so important to realize that we don't have that equipment. We don't have that tools and we have to go and find it and we have to actively work on it. Absolutely. And most people don't think that they need to learn how to do it. I'm I'm sure it boggles your mind far more than me because I'm not the parenting coach, but it boggles my mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's just extraordinary. And a friend of mine um, who had uh, taken the course and her husband didn't, and she said to him, I don't understand it. You're one of the most curious people Mm. I know. And you are curious about life and you are a voracious reader and you look into things. Why is it that in this domain, you somehow don't approach it in the same way? We get lessons to drive a car. We get lessons to learn a musical instrument. We get lessons for first aid and, and yet we assume that we can just parent. Yep. Yep. Most complicated Mm. human dynamics ever are family dynamics, right? So complex, so many feelings, so much going on in that um, Mm. that dynamic. When you're living together 24-7 in a box, no. (laughs) Uh, We're going to have to start wrapping up to our rapid fire questions. So the first one we have is what are you either currently reading or just one of your favorite books of all time? Oh, beautiful. Well, I have two books mm. I'm reading right now. One is The Radical Ooh, Acceptance that of Everything. Interesting. It's fabulous by Dr. Ann Weiser Cornell. And um, and the other one is called I Know I'm <laughs> in There Somewhere by Dr. Helene Brenner. And um, it's a woman's guide to finding her inner voice and living mm. a life of authenticity. So this is the work around, you know, we've been talking a lot about the dynamics of how we speak to our children and 
to a you know a lesser extent a little bit how we speak to other human beings but this is how are we speaking mm. within ourselves this is our own inner dialogue like if we're critical of other people i can be pretty clear that um you're probably yeah. super critical mm-hmm. of yourself oof what a that's a really interesting field Oh, it's incredible. All right, next question. Where do you go for yourself or your family if you've had just one of those days and you need to reset and regroup? Oh, I mm, go to the ocean. It's just cleansing. Any yeah. particular beach? Yeah. There's, it's so beautiful. Yeah, right down the road from oh, me, right here, Venice, Venice Beach. beach. Just, last question is, if you could change one thing about the traditional schooling system, what would it be? Mm. I I would say... I would eliminate grades. Yep, me too. (laughs) I would eliminate grades. I think teachers know their students very well. Universities should get off their behinds and allow students to provide portfolios rather than grades. You know, Marshall Rosenberg, he speaks about this when he was a professor and he said he went to the school and he said, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to give grades anymore. I won't give grades because it's not, it's It's not an even playing field in there. Not at all. It's not an even playing field. And he was talking about, you know, social, just different socioeconomics. And um, he was talking about marginalized communities and he was talking about prep schools and those who had barely Mm -hmm. anything to eat at home. And he was saying, it's not fair for me to do grades and compare one to the other or on some scale that doesn't. doesn't make any sense. But I will give you, I will give you incredible depth of understanding whether this student Mm -hmm. has applied themselves and whether this student has done their work. And I will give you reflections around Mm -hmm. progress. And, and it was, it was great. And he said he did it until they Mm -hmm. told him he couldn't anymore. And he then Mm -hmm. chose to leave. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, you know, one of the things Marshall would also say is that, you know, every decision we make is meeting some of our needs and not all mm-hmm. of our needs. And so, you know, the decision, for example, to stay or to leave, you know, will meet either way. It's the decision is going to meet yes. some needs, but not all needs, whichever mm-hmm. way the decision goes, mm-hmm. both directions. Absolutely. And hopefully by speaking to people such as yourself, we're spreading the word out there and and we can make change by getting parents to push their schools and inspire other teachers. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Oh, gosh, thank you so much, Catherine, for coming on today. I could chat and chat and chat to you. And Oh, I feel the same way. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, it's been so lovely to have this time together. So where can our parents find you, Catherine? Yes. So it's ConsciousParentingRevolution.com. And uh, I actually do have, I call it the 90-day parenting reset, and it will start on September 28th. Fantastic. Looking forward to it. I'm sure we'll have uh, plenty of our parents jumping on that. Thank you so much. My pleasure. We hope you enjoyed our episode with Catherine Winter-Celery from Conscious Parenting Revolution today. Whether you got something out of the nonviolent communication chat whether you enjoyed the discussion about habitual parenting responses or whether you learned a little bit more about childism and labelling and why it's important to break our negative views of children, we hope you found some good takeaways there. For our Sunshine Coast and Brisbane listeners, this is your heads up that our holiday program and term four program 
rooms are open for bookings right now. So if you haven't booked, we strongly suggest that you get online at wildlingsforestschool.com slash bookings because Brisbane in particular sells out and our forest kindy on the Sunshine Coast does too. We also, this is a little surprise announcement, we are super excited to let you know that we are going to drop our first ever online introduction to Bush Kindy workshop at the end of October. We'd actually done all the behind the scenes work and recording way back in lockdown. Then we decided to launch a podcast. So we shelved this online course and then we decided to run our respectful communication course first. So we're really excited to finally be bringing you this course months later. So keep an eye out in your inbox because that's where we'll notify you first. But we're super excited because we know many of you have been wanting to come to our face-to-face programs, but obviously in this climate can't. Thank you. And until next week, stay wild. Thank you.